Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Best on the Board presented by BetMGM. It is Friday, May the 20th. Michael Beller here with you. The French Open is beginning in just a couple of days. We had our first episode on the French Open recorded yesterday. It's just a few spots back in the feed, so if you want to listen to that, go ahead and find it. We've got another episode of the French Open coming your way here on Best on the Board, and this is a very big pleasure for me. You listen to me on Best on the Board, Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Fantasy Baseball, all that stuff. These are guys who I work with. They have become friends, but this is the first time that I have an in-real-life friend joining me on Best on the Board. His name, Carl Coonley. I'm going to vouch for this guy's tennis betting ability because the guy's just a stud. He's got the chops to prove it. He's going to prove it to you right here on this episode of Best on the Board. Carl, what's going on, man? Nice to be here, Michael. I guess my invitation to the first French Open episode might have got lost in the mail. <laughs> it did. It did for sure. Uh, but uh, this one made it, so I'm happy that we got it. I'm happy that we got you on here, and uh, I'm happy that we're doing this. Uh, we talked about it on the first episode. This is uh, our, our first foray into the tennis world on Best on the Board. This is a show that started seven months ago, focused on football, and we're just adding sports and sports and sports, and now we're adding people and people and people as well to the show. So uh, this is going to be fun, man. You ready for it? Absolutely. All right, let's dig in. Let's dig in. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we are going to break things down. We are going to go quarter by quarter. We'll obviously look at this through the lens of the favorite in each quarter, both men's side and women's side. But we'll also look at potential trouble spots for uh, these favorites. We'll look at how uh, things have just shaped up in the quarter, how some of these are just a little bit or maybe more than a little bit lopsided. Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal sharing a quarter. Hello. Thank you very much. Just a little bit lopsided. We'll also talk about championship odds to wrap things up. So let's start on the men's side. And let's start right there, Carl. Uh, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal in the same quarter. And, and Carlos Alcaraz on that same side of the draw as well. So you're talking about maybe the three favorites all sharing a side. Only one of them is going to get into the final. Only two of them are going to get into the semis. It's pretty crazy that we've got these guys all on the same side of the draw. And you're exactly right. They are the three favorites. And the odds shuffled quite a bit right when the draw came out because of just that. Uh, so you would say it should be criminal for Novak and Rafa to be in the same quarter. But when any of the top players fall outside the top four, things like this are, are bound to be possible to happen. So uh, definitely shook things up. It may take a little bit of the excitement around earlier than we may have anticipated it. But to win the tournament, you have to beat the best regardless how the draw comes out. All right, well, let's look at that Joke and Rafa quarter. You've got Novak as the favorite, minus 125 to come out here. Rafa's at plus 150, and then, as expected, the odds start to fall off a cliff. Do you see any trouble spots for either of these guys before they would potentially meet each other in the final? No, I would say this is, uh, this is a two-horse quarter. Um, you know, as we look through everybody else in this quarter, you've got Felix, Sahe Aliasim, He's got a great serve, great game for some of the quicker surfaces. He has yet to come close to putting it together on clay. Schwartzman can be a little pesky. Dimitrov, solid, but nobody's going to challenge these two. They will They will definitely be meeting in the quarterfinals. Uh, the value here? Is there value on, I mean, not Nadal coming in at plus 150? Uh, if, you, if you're betting one of these guys regardless of, I guess not regardless of, but if you were going to, even though Joke is the understandable favorite, do you think the better bet is on Nadal because of the plus 150 price that's attached to him? 
Well, I think the market's overreacting a little bit to some early losses in Madrid and Rome for Nadal, but we have to really understand where Rafa is in his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is 35 years old, turning 36 in a matter of weeks. Uh, He just had an incredible start to the season where he didn't lose a match until March in his fourth tournament. He won the tune-up in Melbourne. He won the Australian Open in, in epic fashion. He won Acapulco. And his body just kind of fell apart against Fritz in the finals in Indian Wells. Mm -hmm. So he took a month and a half off as needed. Uh, You're not going to expect him to come back spry and chipper and really gunning for every match in the tune-ups. He lost a tight three-setter to Alcaraz in Madrid in the quarterfinals. I would not hold that against him. Alcaraz was actually the favorite in that match. Uh, He lost a three-setter to Shapovalov in Rome. But again, the quality was there. He won the first set 6-1. Shapovalov narrowly escaped a a close second set. And then I think Rafa at that point, you know, it's about saving yourself for the French. It's it's not about trying to make it to the third round of of Rome at all costs. So, you know, I think maybe it's a bit of an overcorrection on Rafa. It's really difficult to count him out. Let's not forget Novak is not in top form either. He's been off for different reasons, uh, namely refusing to get the vaccine and not being allowed to play. So he kind of eased into his his season a bit, losing his first clay court match, struggling with all of his matches en route to losing the final uh, in Serbia to Rublev. He too lost to Alcaraz in Madrid. That was the theme for anybody that played uh, Alcaraz in Madrid. Uh, He played him a little tighter than Rafa, and he was favored in that match. And then he ended up winning Rome. So you could say that he went from 0 to 60 pretty quick, and, and he might be a little bit uh, over-raced coming into this tournament. Uh, he has shown the form. I mean, when these two get on the court, none of this really matters. It's it's probably always pretty close to a coin flip. Uh, maybe the narrow edge to Novak, but the value, I would say, uh, favors Rafa. So what's the pick, and is it a bet? I mean, if it, narrow edge to Novak, uh, but are you betting Rafa, or are you passing on this quarter as a bet? Passing on this quarter, if I had to bet it, I'd take Rafa. All right, let's move on to the second quarter then, where we do find Carlos Alcaraz, not only as the favorite in this quarter, Carl, but as the biggest favorite in any of the four quarters on the men's side. He checks in at minus 165 to emerge from this into the semis. Then you've got Zverev at plus 350, Davidovich Fakina at plus 1200. Things start to tumble down from there. I'm going to ask you the same question here. Uh, I guess actually, let me do it with a caveat. First, is there anyone standing in Alcaraz's way to at least get to the final in this quarter? And then secondly, is it Zverev or can anyone else maybe knock him off and pull off what would be uh, what looks like a pretty big upset at this stage with the way he's playing? So this quarter is a bet, and the bet is Alcaraz. Uh, I'm The only unfortunate piece here is that we're not talking a month ago and Alcaraz <laughs> yeah. isn't 15-1 to 1 to win this quarter. Um, you know, the only asterisk I would put next to that is Dominic Team at 40 to 1. So he missed about a year with a wrist surgery. Uh, he's back. He hasn't been winning matches. Um, it takes a little while to get yourself back into form after a year off. There's so much uh, repetition, repetition needed uh, to really stay at that high level of tennis. But Team at his top is a top for player on clay. I mean, I would, I would say if, if team had never been hurt, he'd be even more favored than Tsitsipas in this tournament. And by if by some stroke of chance he plays himself into form over the first week, 
maybe he could challenge Alcaraz. But uh, minus 165 seems very strong value here. Zverev, they just we just got a, a head-to-head look at what mm-hmm. happens when Alcaraz and Zverev play on clay, and it was 6-3, 6-1 to Alcaraz. Uh, that was despite Alcaraz having beaten Djokovic and Nadal the two previous days before in tight, very intense three-setters. Uh, so the only knock you could ever make on Alcaraz in this tournament is the age and experience. I mean, mm-hmm. he just turned 19. But he has shown no signs of being anything other than tough as nails mentally. And, you know, I mean, this would be his biggest test. This is the first major that he's actually, uh, you know, in the top, in the conversation for, uh, you know, true contender of, of winning and really at the top of the odds. Uh, so maybe even he can feel a little nerves. But... Through the quarter, any of these names do not worry me. Minus 165, I mean, I'd probably have him minus 365 for this quarter. So plenty of value there and would, would set up a, an excellent semifinal match regardless of who comes out of the first quarter between Joke and Nadal. I mean, that that top semi might be the match of the tournament. <laughs> Feels like it's it does have a uh, whoever wins this is the champion sort of feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, the only caveat there would be if they just really battle Work each it other out to death. in yeah. a tight five set match uh-huh. and then somebody like Tsitsipas comes in fresh i mean mm-hmm. you know who who knows no no guarantees but but that is shaping up to be the match of the tournament uh, certainly could open the door for Tsitsipas, especially if you talk about Nadal and Joke having to fight through one another. Then the winner gets through Alcaraz. Maybe Tsitsipas has uh, a little bit of value on him as a champ, and we'll talk about that in a second. But let's look at his quarter first. He sits also as a comfortable favorite, not quite the minus 165 that Alcaraz has attached to his name, but just below that at minus 155. Casper Rude on the other side of this quarter. He checks in at plus 300. If chalk holds, we would get a Tsitsipas Rude quarter do you see anything standing in the way of that well the one match i want to point out in the third quarter is a first round matchup between holger rune and denis shapovalov Uh, those two are both hot shapovalov just beating nadal last week and rune taking out zverev uh, a couple weeks ago Uh, he's another one of those young guns that gets overshadowed by the likes of Alcaraz, uh, but he's really on a a pretty meteoric rise to the top of the game as well. Um, not saying he's ready to take that leap and, and win a quarter, but uh, in terms of first round matches go, I think that might be the most exciting one on the draw. Uh, always want to lean the over when you see those matches early on in the tournament. And based on these odds, it looks like Rune is probably the favorite. Yeah. Um, pass minus 155, that's probably pretty appropriately priced. Uh, I do think based on experience uh, and based on clay prowess, speed, uh, he really is the, the most likely to come out of this quarter. Uh, if I had to bet, I, I would take Tsitsipas. Rude at plus 300. You also can't argue too much there, but I think he's got a bit more of a mental hurdle to get over. Hubert Herkaz plus 1,400. And then you've got Runa, as you said, at 1,400 also, and Chapovalov at 1,600. So those guys meeting in the first round, but also uh, inside the top five to come out of the quarter. So uh, interesting to look at there. Two very exciting young players. That, that'll be the match of the first round, calling you, five sets. And Pass, your pick to come out of the draw, to come out he of the is. quarter, excuse me. He is. 
All right, well, let's look at who he would match up if you are indeed right, who he would match up with in the semis. This is the one that is wide open. Even though we've got a joke Nadal matchup in the first quarter looming for that quarterfinal, you still do have a minus favorite to come out of the quarter in joke at minus 125. Not so in the fourth quarter where Yannick Sinner is the favorite at 3-1 to one, plus 300. Then Rublev, who we've mentioned a couple of times at plus 350. Daniil Medvedev, uh, the guy who maybe has the most name recognition for a casual tennis fan, is at plus 650 here. We know he's coming off of an injury, but no matter how you shape this up, this feels like the most wide open quarter as we get ready for this men's tournament to kick off. How are you breaking it down? Well, I would agree it's the most wide open quarter, and this is the one where I think we have uh, the odds that justify taking a couple shots. Uh, I, I can see uh, some some holes in the odds of, of a lot of these top guys making it. A lot of the Russian players have been feeling, uh, I think, some extra pressure in terms of being limited and, and disbanded from Wimbledon and, and feeling like they really have to do more here in Roland Garros. Uh, the, the pressure and the spotlight is just a little bit on the Russian players, and it hasn't really been affecting them in, in the best way. Uh, Rublev, I wouldn't say his best surface is clay anyway. Sinner has been winning, uh, but he's been uh, a little bit shaky, a little bit shakier than we would expect out of him, uh, losing sets to players you wouldn't expect him to lose sets to. Medvedev is not even in the conversation, in my mind. I, I would actually like probably everybody on this odd sheet down to Tommy Paul uh, to beat Medvedev. Clay just is not his surface. He's not going to emphasize Clay, and he's probably feeling like the middle of the season is a bit lost for him not being allowed to play Wimbledon. Uh, so the two players that I want to bring our attention to on the value here is Pablo Carreño Busta, who is going off at 11-1, to 1, uh, which strikes me as just a, a complete misprice. I mean, I don't, I don't tell you how he's below Medvedev, and, and I would put him right up with Kekmanovic. Uh, but Kekmanovic uh, at plus 600 has also been really pulling it together. Uh, he's made a huge stride this year. He hired David Nelvent, Nelbandian as his coach, and that appears like it was a great selection. Um, and I would say Kachmanovich as well as Carreño Busta both have some pretty significant value with these prices. Betting both to that sort of extent, value on that way? Yep, exactly. Who's the pick? If you, it comes down to it, who's the pick to come out of the quarter? Carreño Busta, just because I see him about even and you're getting double the price. Um, all right, Carl. Well, let's take a look ahead then to the uh, fa- the final, the championship odds here. Let's swing back around to that. Um, Novak Djokovic, no surprise. He is the favorite. If he's the favorite to come out of a quarter, that includes Rafa. Probably going to be the favorite to win the championship too, and that's exactly where he is sitting at 2-1. to one. Alcaraz, plus 225. Rafa, plus 400. Stefano Tsitsipas at plus 450. And then a whole cast of guys that are 20-1 to one or worse. Are we going off the board there, at least among those top four guys? I mean, or are we finding our bets here among those top four? I mean, I think it's priced pretty appropriately. If you put a gun to my head and forced me to bet this, I'm taking Carlos Alcaraz. I just think he is, despite the inexperience, despite the age, you can't argue with the product he puts on the court. A lot of pressure on on Rafa and Novak, Mm -hmm. not only physically, but uh, there's a lot of expectations with them. Uh, Alcaraz, this is maybe one of the last times he's going to come into a major as not the favorite, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I can't sleep on the angle of Tsitsipas getting to potentially roll right into the final and face somebody off of one of the most difficult matches of their life. Uh, I think there's physical concerns Honestly, with all three of the top, I mean, Novak, 
didn't play at all to the beginning of the season. Then he had a few long runs and tournaments in a row. Uh, so he's coming in, probably played more matches than he'd like at, at his advanced age. Alcaraz, I mean, this this kid is 19. He's incredible, but we don't really reach our physical peaks till our mid-20s. Uh, and he's been winning so much. Uh, you play a lot of matches when you win in tennis. Mm-hmm. Rafa had to take a month and a half off just to be able to set foot on a court, and it hasn't gone amazing when he has. So, uh, you know, you, you do think that maybe he was managing it properly, and losing those matches in the tune-ups is probably a benefit to him. Um, but that that top semifinal match is, is going to be a battle, and that is going to be appointment television, no matter what time of day it's aired. <laughs> and I, I would say you'd have to go... Alcaraz, just based on the product he's putting on the court right now, and maybe a tiny saver on Steph, uh, although you'd like to get it out. It's a little bit, a little bit more than four to one, um, just in case there's uh, some some blood drawn in that semifinal on the top. And those odds are an acknowledgement that he has such an easier path to the final than those other three guys. Absolutely. And when you put the other three all in the top half, uh, you know that, that, that leaves some gaps for somebody. So if we're looking at some people outside the top four just to take some fun punts on, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Zverev is flying as under the radar as he basically has ever flied. I mean, he's been completely passed in expectations by everybody above him. He's sitting at 15 to 1. Uh, I do not think he's going to win, but he does have the game to win, and maybe expectations, uh, you know, being absent of expectations, is the way he could finally break through into a major. Uh, it was very ugly the first time he had a chance to win a major. Uh, Dominic Team again, don't think he's going to catch up to form until later in the year. You can't just miss uh, a whole year with a wrist injury and, and come back and win a major. But plus 10,000 is... is possibly worth a few bucks i mean we know that the talent's there we know the level's there he's been to the final here and he has won a major uh, medvedev you you couldn't pay me to bet at any price <laughs> that's that's just not going to happen not taking a free roll on med nope i would decline the free roll on medvedev uh and if we're just talking about other notable guys i mean we've we've mentioned a few of them just to just to potentially make a little bit of noise in their quarters not not necessarily get too far but Kachmanovich, mm-hmm. who we've talked about rune uh, Pablo Carreño Busta, I mean, I do want to point out, this This guy's a, a two-time semifinal uh, maker at a Grand Slam, mm-hmm. uh, if, if that's how you word that. Uh, and Laszlo Djere, uh lower-ranked Serbian, has just been playing beautiful tennis. Uh, really should have beaten Djokovic in, in that first round uh, in Belgrade. Um, you know, he had a, he had a put-away at up 4-3 in the last set breaker that he hit halfway down the net and then he just mentally collapsed but the the game is there for him to make some noise um just just maybe a a couple names to call out as uh, as potential uh, feisty competitors here gonna be a hell of a tournament on the men's side looking very forward to this getting started all right carl let's flip things over to the women's side where things feel as though they could not be any different from the men's side with maybe one notable exception one notable thing we talked about on the men's side feels like maybe it's a play a little bit on the women's side the way it's way different we have a clear and obvious favorite on the women's side and that is Iga Sviatic checking in at minus 110 to win the championship now why do I say maybe there's something that's a little bit similar to the men's side well because she's only minus 225 to come out of her quarter she ended up with a stacked quarter the draw really working against her I don't think that changes things 
too much for her. She's still obviously very deserving to be considered the overwhelming favorite to win this tournament, given the form that she's in and just sort of the jumbled mess of the women's field behind her. But let's just jump right into that quarter where she would uh, face off with Pliskova if everything holds, if things were to hold all the way through to the final here. Uh, this is not the greatest draw in the world for the best women's player in the world. Well, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they threw the kitchen sink in her in her quarter. Uh, she's got Halep, who's won this tournament. She's got Pegula, who's been playing great. She's got Ostapenko, who can be up and down, but also won this tournament as a teenager. I do not believe she's going to be facing Pliskova. Uh, and Samsonova has really played. Uh, I mean, she's she's up and coming. She's she hasn't always been consistent, but her top level is is right there with uh, anybody's top level outside the top few players. And Samsonova was actually the one that came as close to anybody to knocking off Iga during this historic run she's on here in 2022. Uh, they met in the semifinals of Stuttgart and. That the scoreline of that match was six seven six four seven five. So Samsonova took the first set, was five all in the third, and and couldn't get it done. Um, but that is the closest as anybody has come to Iga. And uh, let's take a quick minute to just look at how remarkable Iga's season's been. Let's do uh, it. She she was of course uh, benefited by the retirement of Ashley Barty. Uh, but the way she's playing, I, I don't even think that would have mattered, and, and that may be taking some credit away from her, honestly. Um, so her only losses this year, uh, she lost in an Australian tune-up to Barty, no problem there. She lost in the semis of the Australian Open to Collins. Then after uh, obviously having a lot of matches under her belt in those two tournaments, she lost to Ostapenko on hard courts February 16th. And that is the last match that she's lost. Uh, she ago. has played 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 30, 32 matches in a row for Igus Viatek. And she's got, by a rough count, I'm not going to take you through uh, the whole count there, but it looks like she's got about 10 6-0 sets in there. <laughs> and these 6-0 sets are not against uh, poor players. I mean, she 6-0'd Andreescu uh, in the quarterfinals of Rome. Andreescu's a, a major champion. Uh, she 6-2-6-2'd Sabalenka. I mean, she's, she's really on fire. 6-0'd Osaka in Miami in the final. And uh, that's that's not even her best surface. So, uh, you know, you really can't say anything against Iga. I have to tip Iga any chance I get here, uh -huh. uh, especially because Michael got me an Iga shirt as a <laughs> present for his daughter's first birthday. It's true. I did. I did. I, I think it's I think it's a, a the, the gift wasn't ex I think it just timed up with that. It would be weird if I got you a gift because my daughter turned one. That would be strange. I think it was more for your birthday that that shirt came into play. But. The facts remain that I did get you an Iga shirt because you turned me on to Iga uh, in, in one of these previous tournaments where I won on her. And then I actually bet her at plus 200 a couple of weeks ago. And now here she sits at minus 110, which we'll talk about in a second. Obviously, as you said, you got to tip her any chance you get. So I think we're going to be playing her at minus 110. Do you play her at minus 225 to come out of the quarter? Is there any value there? I think you just play her at minus 110 to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. And just for the record, I'm still saving up for your daughter's first birthday present. <laughs> Hopefully this French Open can, can help line my pockets in order to do so. 
There we go. She's 13 months now, but she doesn't know any better. So don't worry about it. You can uh, you can certainly uh, get in on that. Uh, let's look at the uh, let's look at the second quarter here. Uh, you got Bedosa as the favorite at plus 350. Then Sabalenka, you just mentioned, she comes in at plus 500. Ribakina is at plus 700. Collins at plus 700. Castakina at plus 700 as well. How are you breaking this one down? This is a pretty tight quarter. Bedosa uh, has the talent to get through it, and and I think has the experience as well. Uh, but to me, this this is a Sabalenka play. Plus 500 to win the quarter. I mean, I, I don't see many contenders further down the list. Uh, I love Juvan as a player, but I don't think she's ready to, to win a quarter. Madison Keys, this is not her surface. Collins uh, hasn't been going so so well so far in the clay season. Uh, Rybakina, Kudermetova, very nice players. I don't think they're going to win the quarter. Um, I like Sabalenka. I mean, I think, uh, again, now with all the attention on Iga, some of the pressure comes off these perennial favorites on the women's side. And, and Sabalenka mm-hmm. has every bit the talent to, to win a major. Uh, she hasn't done so, I think, in part because of those expectations. Clay would not be her best service, uh, but she's, she's cleaned up the double faults. Uh, she's been playing extremely solid on the surface. Uh, you know, when you compare it to Bedosa, it's hard to say that she's any below Bedosa and you're getting uh, about 1.6, 1.7 times the price. Uh, last point to make, Sabalenka did just defeat Bedosa uh, in, in a couple weeks ago. So I, I would also say that uh, goes in her favor. Uh, so for me, that's a, that's a Sabalenka uh, play in this quarter. Uh, let's jump things over to the third quarter where things are stacked. And by stacked, I mean in terms of just how close these odds are, one on top of the other. The favorite to come out of the quarter, Ans Jaber. She is also, like Bedosa, sitting at plus 350. Then you've got Maria Sakari at, at 5.5 to 1. Anisimova, she is at six uh, plus 650, excuse me. Andreescu at plus 750. Uh, Emma Raducanu at 9 to 1. Naomi Osaka at 10 to 1. Ben Cheech, 11 to 1. And then you got Angelique Kerber sitting out there at 16 to 1. So this is, uh, you know, this, this has a lot of there's, there's there's some name recognition here and as i said also the odds are you're only taking you know steps or half steps down to get from one player to the next and so uh just from the betting odds alone basing on that and that alone this feels like it could be a pretty exciting quarter this is the most exciting quarter uh to me it's it's sakari um you know Jabur has been as good as anybody results wise but as we've talked about many times that's uh often more a curse than a blessing. I mean, Jabur went to the final in Madrid, which means she played six matches over nine days. And then she went to, when I say she went to the final, she won that tournament uh, over Pegula. Uh, then she went to the final in Rome. Uh, she had three days off between, but that was another six matches, and that was only over five days. Uh, so six days, actually. Um, she lost only to Iga. Uh, she lost handily to Iga, 6-2, 6-2. And she had quite a few three-setters uh, both weeks uh, against good players and lower-ranked players. I mean, she was going three sets with players like Grecheva, but then she was also going three sets with players like Sakari, uh, as well as Bencic. So, to me, Jabur, I think the best of her clay season is already behind her. I think she peaked a little too soon. Uh, my criticism on her is is usually maybe not necessarily having the fitness to get through a full two weeks of a major, especially on clay where you have uh, the longer points mm-hmm, and it's much mm-hmm. more difficult to put players away on the slower surface. Um, you know, Jabur does have a really slick strategy to counteract that where I think when she gets tired, she just starts hitting drop shots and she's so excellent at hitting drop shots. Uh, and, and that strategy works because... 
regardless of if you win the point or lose the point on a drop shot, the point is going to be over within the next one or two shots, and you get to walk back and pretend like you're inspecting the balls and, and buy yourself <laughs> a little bit of a breather. So, I mean, she does have that figured out, but, I mean, I just think she's got too many miles on her in the clay season already. I mean, since April 7th, she's been to three finals, winning one, and she lost a tight quarter to Bedosa and Stuttgart. Uh, so I, I would say, I mean, it, it's she's deservedly the third favorite to, to win the tournament, but I really like Sakari in her quarter. Uh, if we look at Sakari's setup coming up to this, uh, she's only played six matches on clay since April. And while you'd maybe like to have a little more than that, she's demonstrated the that she has the level. Uh, I don't know that I would trust her to mentally keep it together in the final, but if we're just talking to win the quarter, I, I do think that's something that, that Sakari can do, and I really like that price. Uh, they, these two just played, Jabur and, and Sakari, in the quarters, and uh, it was 6-1 to Sakari in the first set, and then same story as Nadal Shapovalov. Uh, Jabur got out of a tight second set and was able to run away with it in the third. So... I think Sakari is going to have the best value by far in this quarter. She made the semis last year, losing 9-7 uh, in the third set. So, I mean, she's she knows she can get there, and uh, you know she has the athleticism. She has the patience. I think she's pulling it together more on the mental side, and uh, and that might be one of our best value of, of all of the quarterbacks is Sakari at plus 550. All right, and let's wrap things up with the fourth quarter on the women's side where Coco Goff is the favorite, but the longest favorite among any of these quarter favorites. She checks in at four, plus 450. Then you got Krejcikova at 6-1. to one. Gabrine Muguruza coming in at 7-1. to one. Teichman plus 750. Kontavite plus 800. Vika Azarenka 9-1. to one. Familiar name there. And then Mertens 14-1. to one. Uh, Is there any bettable odds here in, in this quarter? Well, this is a tough quarter. Uh, if if Goff is your favorite in a quarter on clay, uh, that means some players below are having some issues. And uh, you know, if we look at Krajikova, this is your defending champion uh, mm-hmm. in this tournament. And the reason she's not really factoring in on the futures odds to win it all, uh, as well as uh, you know being six to one to win her quarter, is that she hasn't played a match since February, and she hasn't played a match on clay uh, this season. So. Not exactly sure the reasons for that setup, but that is not the recipe to success coming into a major. Tennis is a game that is so different on the various surfaces, and they don't have clay tournaments before the French Open for no reason. So I think that's going to be really tough on Krajikova. Muguruza, I mean, it's it's not her best surface. Uh, she's had success here, uh, and she's the, the most battle-tested and accomplished player uh, of this field, uh, even including Azarenka, who... Uh, it's also not her best surface. Uh, but if we were going to take a punt here, I like Kontaviet at plus 800. I think uh, she struggled a bit once her ranking climbed so high that a lot of pressure came on her, and, and she's really flying under the radar now. Uh, not not necessarily the best setup coming into this tournament. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that anyone below, I mean, I mean Canopy great player but i think uh, into, into the late 30s now and really mm-hmm. a power game not going to work on the clay tamjanovic uh, isn't going to factor in teichman is is interesting being favored above kontavian and azarenka but if i had to bet something here i would take muguruza just because of the the experience and and the accomplishments and i i see a lot of issues with uh, with the other players in this draw coco golf 
Just had a chance to kind of show where she's at. Uh, a little bit of a litmus test against Sakari last week. Uh, she got blown off the court in the first set, and she was keeping it close in the second. But when it came down to the business end of that set, and she had to execute Matt, I had to execute her shots to stay in the match. Uh, she fell apart and really aired herself out of the match. So, you know, the the pressure is only going to be higher when you're in a major, and especially if you're still at that such a young age. And especially if you're the favorite to win their quarter. I mean, they're not sitting here probably looking at all these futures odds, but they, they, they know from looking around her sure. that uh, there's some expectations. And, I mean, especially on clay, I don't I don't think that's going to go well for Coco. So I would I would fade Coco. I would fade Krajikova. And Muguruza seems like the, the next best. And, and value at plus 700 is tough to argue with in such an open quarter. So, I mean, you know, we, we get on these shows and we talk about things, and not, not everything we talk about is something we're actually going to play. Uh, is Muguruza and or Contadita play for you, actually? Well, if we look at Muguruza uh, and her setup coming in, she's she's lightly raced. Uh, a few curious losses. I mean, she, she played really well uh, the first two sets in Rome and then just completely fell apart against Putin Seva. Um, so the form isn't quite there yet, but... You know, when these, these players who are, and I will call Muguruza great, I mean, she's she's still ranked 10, she's been as high as 1, she's won multiple majors, uh, these players can play themselves into form in a major. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you got to win 7 matches, you got uh, you have 2 weeks to do so, um, and I do think that there's a, a strong potential for them, so I, for them to, to really come into form in the major, so I like Muguruza at that price. Uh, Kantaviet the same um you know i think that at those odds it does justify playing both of them um you know if we look at kontaviet's uh you know form coming into this uh, also not amazing i mean she's only played four matches on the clay but uh you know that means she's not going to be up against any physical issues she's at least had enough experience to, to time the ball on the surface uh she hasn't had any any you know real uh, issues uh you know outside of maybe a loss to Petra Martic, her loss to Sabalenka is very defensible, and she even won a set in that match. Uh, she beat Kerber, she beat Alexandrova. So, I mean, I, I would say even though there's some absence of clay in her setup, um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't really hold that against her. I mean, over her career, she's been very solid on clay. Actually, uh, besides indoors and grass, it's the, the best record she has on any surface. So I think the odds start to discount you if you haven't played much or you haven't mm-hmm. won much coming in. Um, but that might actually sometimes be a positive and, you know, they're practicing on clay every day, obviously this time of year too. So I like the value on both of them. All right, let's wrap things up here, Carl, looking at the women's championship odds. As we discussed, Iga, the huge favorite at minus 110. You got to go all the way down to plus 1200 to find your next player, Simona Halep and Ans Jaber. And then you've got Bedosa and Sakari both at 20 to one. I, I know you're playing Iga. Can you make? Are you even bothering to sprinkle anyone else, or is this just all ego all day? It's all ego all day. I mean, ego was at plus two hundred a few weeks ago, which I was just kept wondering why she's not at minus, and then she was at plus one forty last week, and I kept wondering why she's not at minus. She finally oh, I remember has made those it conversations, minus. my friend. Yep. Well, you made you made a good early buy on ego, um, but you know, looking at the rest just to have uh, you know a fun value play. I mean, 
you know, things have been going so well for Iga. You can almost say maybe they've been going too well for Iga. I mean, how many matches can somebody win in a row before the ball just starts bouncing the wrong way a little bit? Uh, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think you'd probably have Iga true price, maybe minus 240 to win this tournament, as crazy as that might sound. Uh, but looking at the rest, if we want to find a few fun value plays, uh, I won't take Halep, I won't take Owens, I won't take Bedosa, but uh, Sakari at plus 2,300, I mean, she made the semis last year, I, I like her setup coming in, I think that she has the athleticism and the familiarity with the surface and really just the credentials to get to the get to the final. Uh, I don't know that she has the, the mental capacity to get over the hump and win the final. Um, and Sabalenka would be my other one. And, and, and I think with Sabalenka, it's a completely different story. Uh, if she were to come across Iga, uh, she has a lot of trouble because while she is is high-quality power player as exists on the women's side, Iga can just move players like that around mm-hmm. so much to the point where they're really swinging at balls outside of the strike zone, and and you know the, the power players aren't exactly the ones hitting the balls out of the strike zone, out of the ballpark. So, um, Sakari at plus twenty three hundred would be my next play. Um, you know, I would love to tip Krajikova plus forty to one, but I don't think you can come into a tournament with zero matches under your belt on clay and win it. So this is all Iga all day, and I will be wearing the Iga shirt that you got me the whole tournament. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Wash it a few times. But other than that, I absolutely Bad love luck. that. <laughs> it's a good point. Don't wash it then. Forget about it. I need that. You know, We talked about the 13-month-old. I need that two to one to hit. So let's definitely uh, keep that in the strike zone. As Tennis betting is here. my talent. Laundry is not. <laughs> yeah, I've, I can I can vouch for that as well. It's going to be an awesome tournament. We talked about it. it's going to be a great tournament on the men's side, great tournament on the women's side. Very excited for this to get going early. I guess what's that? Sunday our time, Monday over in Paris. It's going to be a great tournament over at Roland Garros. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thank you so much for listening. For Carl Coonley making his Best on the Board debut, I am Michael Beller. Say good luck. Happy betting, and we'll talk to you soon.